Okay, well, here we are, um, doing a podcast by myself, again in my caravan at my house at night. Um, going to be talking about my new house that I've bought. Um, there's quite a story behind it, so I think that you'll actually enjoy it. I'll try to do it in as much detail as I possibly can so that you can understand exactly all the thought process that went through as I was negotiating and finding this house. I mean, I find working with all of my property deals, um, the actual fun from my point of view is actually all of the negotiations and betting down of the deal. Um, I mean, I think it's a bit like a chess game whereby you, um, you strategize every move that you make and um, you're interacting with another party and you're trying to outwit, outsmart them, a bit like the survivor game. Anyway, this, so this story starts back in, um, I think it started in March last year, so March 2019. Um, Sophie and I had decided that the place that we're living in in Ashton, uh, we'd pretty well taken it to the limit with our renovations. We'd, um, we'd bought a stone cottage on 20 acres, 20 minutes from the office, one set of stoplights. Uh, we bought we bought it um, through an agent. I think I've told the story before, but for those of you who haven't heard the story, um, we bought a stone cottage with an asbestos extension in a beautiful setting overlooking the city of Adelaide, up on the sort of the side of a hill, had its own little valley and a dam, um, 20 acres of really nice gum sort of studded country, um, enough for a horse and some cows and some sheep, and a big enough block that you can't see the neighbours. It backs onto a national park. Anyway, just cutting long story short with that one, we bought that through an agent. We removed the asbestos ex- extension. Um, we renovated it with a stone 400 square metre extension, which I did myself. Um, we put in a, a massive shed, a carport, um, an infinity edge pool, and then a two-acre garden. And that took us um, about 10 years. But it wasn't, uh, I guess, probably a year of that was was um, pretty intensive when we were actually doing the build. I was up there every day doing a little bit of work on the side, but predominantly that was my, that was my gig. Um, now, when I say I built it, I managed it, and I had contractors come in. Um, I did a lot of it, like... Um, I did all the coordination, we did the plans, we worked with a draftsman, um, I photographed a number of other houses to try to get exactly the style and the look that we wanted. And I think that we got really close to what we wanted. There were a couple of minor imperfections, but they were um, too hard to change in the end and only Sophie and I would know which ones they are, but no one else would notice them. Um, we're pretty happy with the format. It's custom-built house, basically, to exactly what we want. So... That was a, a, a long, long journey, and we ended up with basically our dream house. We came up with a house that was in a beautiful setting, really nice, the, the city. We sort of feel like we live in the country, but all of our schools and work and our life is really in the city, so we've got the best of both worlds. Um, we bought it off a lovely old couple um, who lived there for 30 years, so uh, you know we've been there for 10 already. Uh, about a third of the time that they were there, they had four kids I think and then they ended up selling up and retiring and moving to another town and downsizing 
Um, but we wanted to go down that journey again because that had been a really good journey for us. We really enjoyed it. Um, it, uh, I think financially, not that we sold it, but every time we got it valued, we were really happy with the valuation. And it was just a really nice environment to come back to after a big day at the office or a big day at school and just chill out and relax. And, you know, it's a, there's a real peacefulness about that place. It's a beautiful setting, massive cypress trees surrounding this beautiful house, massive oak trees, and then this gorgeous garden that Sophie's planted, um, on the, uh, which is sort of on the side of a hill and there's um, meandering paths through it. And we've got a big um, playing field down beneath the house. And Yeah, it's, it's really, really nice. So it's just recently been featured in a gardening magazine, um, SA Life. Um, it was on the cover, and then there was a sort of a 10-page spread inside of it. We've had an open garden there. Uh, the open garden wasn't too good. We are sort of budgeting for 800 people, but it was torrential rain, uh, hail, uh, almost like 100-kilometer-an-hour winds, and it was a disaster over two days. We had 200 people through. We bought scones for 800, so we're eating scones for the next three weeks. Our, full, our freezer, actually, is still full of scones, but anyway... All in all, that was an awesome experience, and uh, it was time for a challenge, time to do it again. Uh, we wanted to use everything that we'd learnt in that first one and then roll that out into another one. We're ready to go again. We didn't want to sell the first one. We sort of had in mind that we'd do an Airbnb or something like that and set up another sort of, instead of a 10-year project now, looking at five years. So uh, the research started. We... Uh, sort of knew a couple of pockets that we'd like to be in in the hills, you know, rough areas. We went for lots of drives to try to work out um, which areas suited us best. Um, there's a couple of roads up from the city and we wanted to work out. We didn't really want to be more than 20 minutes from the city again and we wanted to do it. And there are, There's a freeway that leaves the city of Adelaide so we, we came up with some suburbs which um, we could use the freeway to get to which was sort of further out but if we... Uh, went off at certain exit ramp, then um, by sort of going down some roads, which we haven't considered before when we bought Ashton. Um, we were still sort of further away from the city, but still the same sort of further away distance-wise, but time-wise still the same amount of tr- commuting time. So that opened up a couple more suburbs. Um, we were going to head further north now because the Ashton, in the 10 years that we've been living there, had actually developed um, substantially. The hotel, it was basically dead when we moved there. And that, that's nothing to do with us, but we just, um, when we moved there, it was a sort of a sleepy little Adelaide Hills town. Now it's a vibrant community. Um, a lot of hipsters have moved in the area. Um, there's cafes, coffee shops, restaurants with a lot of guys with beards, um, a lot of fresh local produce. The Uradler Hotel, has, which was closed for four years, is now open in a very vibrant um, Hills pub. Um, they've built a brewery alongside of them at a bakery across the road. There's Lost in the Forest, which is sort of like a wine, pizza, wood oven pizza place, which you can never get into. You've got to book, book it uh, weeks and weeks in advance. Um, so all of these restaurants had sort of sprung up, and this whole community had evolved while, been, while we'd been there. And we didn't really um, – while we enjoyed that and we knew that was good for the, the prices of the property, we were sort of really looking for a um, more sort of – um, primitive, remote, um, less commercialised sort of community. Um, so we sort of headed north, which was um, a bit steeper, 
uh, steeper land, a little bit more remote, a little bit further away from the city, but yet still um, once we'd sort of explored out to this new frontier, we actually found that there were some roads that you could get some um, access to these areas from the city quite easily. Um, they were much closer than we thought again. Um, so we sort of um, we ventured about 10 kilometres directly north on the ridge of the Adelaide Hills that surrounds the city, that borders the city, and we found a nice little community there. Um, it was actually a hill range, and then on the on the city side of it, there was a little community with um, ten houses. And then on the on the uh, other side of the hill, away from the city, there was another community with about five houses in it. So that was really good to find those sorts of um, areas that we could um, identify houses which would suit us. And so what we did in the end, and, and actually that road between our first house and and this new community. Um, had a number of really nice properties uh, along that road. It was probably a 15-minute commute directly um, uh, on, on the edge of the city, so still staying the same rough distance from the city but just um, travelling in like a ring road through the hills on, on the top of a ridgeline. So what we were looking for was a 100-year-old stone home on 20 acres with land that's pretty flat, as flat as you can get in a, in a sort of a... Hilly sort of area. We, did, we and we wanted the land to be sort of fertile, so that it wasn't sort of on the top of a hill where all his topsoil was being washed away. It was more, more sort of looking for valleys and bottoms of valleys where there's fertile land over thousands of years has been washed down, and um, it's easy to grow vegetables and establish a garden and grow lawn, and um, it's easy soil. Just if you want to deal, dig or build, you're not sort of usually. Um, digging straight into rock so what we did was um, we used Google Maps now Google you can actually tell from airily like from satellite photos um, how old a house is by looking at it in detail and often the giveaways are um, corrugated iron roof usually um, steel or zinc alum, and usually an established old set of trees around the house with some sheds dotted around and old sheds from Google Maps look different to new sheds. New sheds are generally colour bond, greens and reds, whereas the old sheds are the old um, zinc alum, tin, corrugated iron, Australian typical sheds. So we analysed, uh, I think that there was another little district, sort of four little pockets of houses and we ended up identifying after a lot of driving around because you get a certain idea from Google Maps uh, and Google Maps also shows you the boundaries of the properties and you can do searches by council on the size of the blocks. That's now changed. There was a sort of evaluation program that the land titles, no, it was a, I think it was the, the Value General's Office ran a valuation listing on all of the properties in South Australia and what their value was, when they were last valued uh, not who owned them, but how big the block was. And you could actually manipulate that database and do searches in suburbs for blocks of land like five acres and above. So we utilised that. We narrowed down our list and then we went for a drive. Sophie and I both out on weekends, driving around, looking at three or four houses. Um, we we narrowed it down to 40, so we must have started with 60 or 70. And we were pretty ruthless. If, if the, the houses didn't come up with all the criteria that we wanted, 
pretty well struck off the list. There's no point dilly-dallying. It's best to come up with a, a short list um, of all of the houses that actually suit your needs rather than a compromise list. Even with the ones that did suit our needs, we still rank them A, Bs and Cs and Ds. So we got the list of the 40 houses. Then we went to the land titles office and we looked up all the names of the owners. Um, that's a pretty easy search to do. It costs uh, $10 or $15 per house, so we threw a bit of money at it. But in the scheme of things, it was still very, very cheap. Um, in the meantime, we still were looking on realestate.com.au and domain for houses in the hills that matched our criteria. But every time one would come up, I'd go to an inspection, there'd be heaps of people there. And these houses are in short supply. Um, there's a growing trend for people in the city to be able to, to be moving out to the hills. And that's not really the motivation for us, but we just found that that was a bit of a headwind when we were when it came to the work that we were trying to do and, and trying to buy these properties. So um, when they went to market, they are all, because there was such a... Uh, short supply and by that I mean the good ones the ones that came on the market out of all of the hills properties um, we sort of think that there's one or two out of every hundred that are really good ones the other 98 have all got issues they're too close to the road you can see the neighbours they don't have land their house overlooks a neighbour's paddock or a neighbour's shed or it's under power lines or um it's near a dump or it's got a tree hanging over it or um, it might be looking out over power lines. It um, might be not located in the right position for the block. or So heaps and heaps of factors. And a lot of these factors really only become apparent when you drive your car there. And a lot of these people sort of saw us driving our cars there. We parked, um, went for a walk around the road overlooking the fences they were sort of a bit freaked out by it but didn't say anything but just could have gave you a sideways stare when they saw you doing it um so the list what i'm trying to say i guess is that it, the list was getting shorter and shorter it was getting narrowed down um day by day um, but somehow we came up with a list of the 40 and then it was time to write to those owners um so I did a handwritten letter in blue pen on a nice white card um, not your A4 page, it's sort of half of A4. I'm not sure the size of that or what that's called, but um, you can just get them from your local news agency and if you shop around, you can um, get matching envelopes. And So I did that um, and I would sit down and write 10 letters at a time. And the, the letter basically said, um, dear such and such, I knew their name uh, and it was never really their Christian name, it was just like um, Mr. P. Smith and Mrs. J. Smith, um, and I, then I'd say regarding the property at such and such location, um, I was in your area the other day, uh, I noticed your house, I then write something customised about the house, like it's a beautiful little cottage and um, we think it would come up really nice with a renovation, uh, and all these properties all needed some work, they weren't all finished, they weren't new houses, they were all old, run-down houses that looked like the owners had been living there for 20 to 30 plus years and that sort of got to the point where they were ready to retire, ready to move into a nursing home or they were just, um, the owners were, if they were young, they didn't have the money to renovate them and we saw a potential there for a value add by us going in and renovating them and um, upgrading the property, uh, predominantly the house but also the fencing and the yards and um, getting rid of blackberries 
uh, grading roads, putting in tanks and infrastructures and sheds, all of that. that that's what we're looking for. Um, so getting back to the letter, uh, we, we think that, uh, or, or maybe in the end I didn't write about, um, you know, that we thought that we could renovate it because I don't want to be offensive to these people, but something along the lines of uh, we, we, love, we fell in love with your gorgeous stone character house and the aspect of it on the block of land. Um, we're a young family uh, looking to move to the Adelaide Hills. Um, we have our finance under control. If you're ever interested and or considering selling, please uh, drop us a line. And then I put my number in there and we said, you know, kind regards, Kim and Sophie, and just sent them out. So we did 10 at a time. So that's, f- and, and the, those letters, those 10 letters, they would take me, um, I don't think I'm exaggerating, but two or three hours to write. And it was a lot of work. And sometimes I'd stuff it up, you know, with handwriting. You'd write one word wrong and I'd throw it out. Or if I could amend it without making it too obvious, I'd amend the word that I'd misspelt and carry on with the writing. But it's a bit tricky because everything's typed these days. But uh, let's face it, if you get a handwritten letter in the mail, you're much more likely to open it up. So we sent out the 10. And every time, so I did that, well, as you can guess where this story is going, um, I did that four different times. And that was spread out over, I think I gave them maybe two to three weeks in the mean, in the middle. Every time I'd send it out, uh, it didn't really matter when I sent them. I'd send them on whenever I was going past the letterbox. Um, but it could have been a Monday, Tuesday, or Friday. Um, I was always expecting phone calls the next day, and I was watching my phone, and if a number came up, I think, oh, maybe it's one of the property owners that I'd written to. Anyway, it took longer than I thought. Like, but um, in summary, I think I had um, of the forty that we sent out. I think that I had um, about ten people ring me. So that is really high. Like, if I explain those numbers to other people, they just can't believe the traction that we got. And I think that it's something to do with it handwritten, it personalised, um, pulling on the heartstrings a bit with the young family moving to the hills, which was true. Um, family's getting older. But it was a true story. We did want to move to the hills and we love the hills. And people sort of like a bit of the story. It's not all about me. Well, that part is, but they're happy to, like, Young families is a good news story, and they like being part of that. They like the fact that it's that their property, which they've loved and nurtured for the last thirty years, they haven't really because it's run down. But in their eyes, they have. Um, they like the fact that it's going to a young family who's going to enjoy it and get the same level of um, enjoyment that they got out of it. Um. So, I think out of every ten that I sent out. There must have been two or three that rang me. Now, most of the phone calls were, I got your letter. Uh, we're not really re- ready to sell, but if you're going to make us an offer that we can't refuse, we'll consider it. Well, that's, I just sort of said, okay, thanks. Um, you know, leave it with me. I'll get back to you, sort of thing. They didn't like, they weren't after commitment when they were actually speaking to me on the phone, but uh, I just didn't really follow up on them. They're also sort of a second category, which were um, we're in our 70s, 
we've loved this property, we are considering selling, but not for the next couple of years. Or maybe they said not the next year or two. Well, realistically, that's probably another five years. So they didn't really suit the criteria either. But then two people, well, the first guy rang up and said that he inherited the property and um, there were two houses on it. We weren't, we sort of thought that. Um, it was a beautiful block. It was just amazing. Um, he invited us over to have a look through, uh, which Soph and I were quite excited about. But in the end, we walked around it and the block was just amazing. It was really, really well suited. Just beautiful old uh, pine trees, beautiful road, two houses, but the houses were really, really bad. One was really close to the road. That was over 100 years old, but it was it was a bulldozed job. It was probably made out of asbestos, and you couldn't tell that from Google or from walking up and down the road. Uh, you just It was not salvageable. Actually, there must have been three houses. There was, a, there was one person living in um, that fibro house, which was close to the road. Then just up the hill from that, there was a brand new house, which was a three-bedroom sort of A.V. Jennings-style brick, cream brick house built in the 70s. Quite nice, but, well, when I say quite nice, um, structurally solid and would have been functional as a house, but really um, not anything you'd want to spend money on renovating. It was never going to be anything nice. It was just always built as a speculative sort of low-budget house, nothing grand that you could restore to its former glory. And then there was another house down in the valley over the creek which was sort of a transportable with two bedrooms, maybe three bedrooms and one bathroom. We didn't even end up having a look through it, but gorgeous setting. But again, the house was just would have had to be bulldozed. So effectively, we didn't even put an offer in there. The, the guy was great, but um, he thought it was an amazing property, and um, well, which it was, but there were a lot of power lines going right through the middle of this property to the neighbouring property, so that sort of destroyed the, the beauty and the aspect of the place. Um, and I think it had good bores, good water, a massive dam. Uh, it was just a beautiful walk around the property. It was just a really, really amazing block, but just the power lines and then the three houses, which he thought were worth something and we really thought were bulldozed jobs. We were never really going to agree on price. We didn't even actually get down to negotiating price. We just let that one slip by. Um, and we were sort of quietly confident that the people that had said a year to two years, the oldies, um, we were sort of thinking, we were sort of clinging to the hope that they would maybe contact us so it wasn't a complete waste of time. Anyway, no one got back to us. No one did. We, we just, we, as soon as they rang me on the phone, I programmed their number in and was thinking, I was probably still in my phone, I was thinking I'd, I'd contact them at some stage and follow them up in six to 12 months, even if they said two years or even, well, probably not earlier than that, but that that was what was in the back of my mind. So I'd, I'd sort of thought that the whole exercise wasn't pointless. It was actually a good exercise, a worthwhile, but um, just, it was going to take more time than I thought. Anyway, I was at school doing school pickup. The phone rang. It was a number that I didn't recognise and I was just too busy talking to the kids or another parent or something and I let it through, go to through the message bank. Then I checked the messages, I think when the parent had walked away or maybe it was on the phone or something. Anyway, I listened to the message and it was from um, a young guy who was living in the house. Um, we'd sent him a letter. He lost the letter and then he refound it. Um, he decided that he wanted to sell his house 
and um, were we still interested? So this was um, so we so we must have sent. I could have the timeline out a bit here, but I reckon we sent him a letter in um, August or September, and which which is much longer length of time. We we might have done it at thirty houses, and then gone back and done found another ten, maybe a couple of months later, something like that. Anyway, I reckon we'd sent him the letter in September, October, maybe August. He rang in January or February, I think. Could have been March. Um, yeah, so we must have started the journey in not March 19, maybe not March 18. Wow, okay. Uh, all right, well. My timeline could be out a bit, but anyway, you get the gist of it. He, he basically rang me three or four months after I'd sent in the letter, and I'd sort of forgotten it. But we still had all the notes, and he left a message, and so I rang him back, and I just had a chat, and he said, look, um, yeah, we, um, my partner and I decided that we don't want to live in our house anymore. I've got the letter. You're interested why don't you come and have a look through and um yeah looking back it was it was a bit weird because we'd sort of still quietly confident but we weren't certainly weren't banking on it and things change and we'd sort of come to the fact that um to be wanted or not anymore because it was sort of a while ago um and his house was quite unique. It was down in a valley, and you could see it from the top of the hill from this little church. You had to get out of your car and walk to the edge of the hill and look down, and you could see it situated at the bottom of this beautiful valley. And the road sort of must have meandered down the side of the hill. We weren't really, we didn't really understand how that all worked, but we could see it at the bottom of this valley. Anyway, um, we as soon as we got off the as soon as I got off the phone, I, I rang Sophie and. And we had a chat, and we got our spreadsheet out, which had the 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 name, well, the name of the owners, the size of the property, the address of the property, the price that they'd paid for it, the council valuation when they bought it. Um, with I think we ranked them all A, Bs, Cs, and Ds, and this was a good one. Um, it was a good location. It didn't have anything wrong with it. Um, so. We both agreed that, yeah, we did want to have a look through. It was worth it. You know, what have we got to lose? So I rang him up and I said, look, yeah, we're, we're keen. Um, I didn't actually give any indication we weren't keen. I just I think I must have just said to him on the phone that um, I'd speak to my wife and we'd get back to him. And so we organised a time to have a look through. Um, and I sort of, I think at that point I might have said, how much do you want for it? That's what I always do. I won't tell them how much I'm going to pay. I think that with the negotiations, it's really important to not put your price out on the table. But often they'll have a price in mind. Um, and if they don't, and if they're clever and they come back and they'll say, well, what do you think it's worth? Well, I'll start with what the council valuation is, or the government valuation. I'll say, well, I noticed that it's valued at such and such. 
And they'll go, oh, yeah, but that's way under what it's worth. Everyone knows that. I go, okay, that's fine. Um, Well, and then depending on how much I want and how much research I've done, I might come back to them and say, well, um, I think it's worth X. Anyway, what, what I usually do too is I'll contact a valuer who's a mate of mine, who's also a customer, um, and I've met him through work, like so he's not a personal friend. Uh, and I and he does valuations all day, every day. And as a favour, I'll just flick him the details and I'll say, what do you think it's worth? And he's great. He'll come back and he'll nail it. He'll Even without walking through, he's got access to databases and um, there's RP data, which tells you when it was last on the market. Usually has photos of it on in, online, uh, how many days it was on the market, when it was last marketed who sold it what price it sold for uh, what the starting sales campaign price was and what it ended up settling for um, what other places in the area have sold for so he, he looks at all of that and analyzes it and comes back to me with a price so I know what that that figure is what I have in my mind is what the bank will value it at and and then it's a bit of a game to get it lower than that but he'll tell me what range it's good value at and what he'd go up to so um, I think I spoke to him. And then when I was booking in the inspection time, I always find it easier to do negotiations with price over the phone, not face-to-face. So I said, what do you think it's worth? And he was quite, he was sort of too nice. He actually came back and he said, um, I don't want to even talk price. This is an amazing property. And we knew it was amazing. But he said, it's really special and this was going to be for my, my forever home. But our circumstances have changed. And now we've decided that we want to move out. And I'll explain that story to you. But And he said, I don't want to even talk about price until you've come and had a look at it. And I was sort of hoping at that point that he'd say a price so that, you know, it would put sort of Sophie and me, me out of our misery because say he wanted three hundred, $400,000 more than what we thought it was worth. Well, then we just say, oh, he's dreaming and he's never going to come down to the price that we had in mind. Um, so, but he didn't. So, we um, must have been during school term. So, I think I dropped the kids off and then we said, well, I'll meet you there at 10 o'clock on a Friday or something. So, we, we drove down there. He'd mowed all the gardens. The house was looking amazing. He was actually an interior designer and we were just blown away. Like, even just driving down the driveway, the driveway was 1.4 k's long. And it's got a big hairpin in it. So it goes down a big hill and then it does a big hairpin to the left. When I say hairpin, you can get trucks around it. It's no problem, but it's just, you can't go flat out. You've got to slow down to go around that gravel driveway, uh, but massively long driveway. And as you're coming down, so it's quite steep down to the hairpin and the hairpin's like at 700 meters. Um, And then it turns around and it was like you're in the middle of the scrub going down this driveway. There's just trees left, right and left and right. Uh, And then you can see this house at the end of the driveway in its own little valley at the bottom of this beautiful picturesque valley covered in um, cherry trees. And there were stone uh, sheds all the way around this beautiful old 150 year old house. Um, and to describe it as sort of, yeah, you could you could see it. You, the road um, meanders down the edge of a, a creek down to the house at the bottom of this creek set at 
up a bit higher than the creek, but in a, in its own little valley surrounded by uh, um, some trees. Not much of a garden, but these beautiful stone sheds. And he had sheep, um, beautiful Suffolk, black face, white body sheep. So it looked really, it was really well sighted. Um, we got out of the car and then we went inside and it was just, he'd renovated, they'd, they'd lived there two years and they'd done a massive renovation. They bought it, they fell in love with the place, um, but they'd gutted it and they'd done this over-the-top renovation, new kitchen, just amazing, floorboards, um, eucalyptus bench tops, black taps, black big smeg standalone 900 oven gas top cooker. Um, fridges, all brand new, washing machine, uh, dishwasher brand new, um, potbelly stove in the corner, the latest Dakin air conditioning ducted throughout the whole house. Um, yeah, it was, it was really nice, brand new laundry, brand new office. And this was sort of like an extension on the old house um, and the living room was the extension as well and the kitchen, um, all open format, looking out over the sort of farmland around it, all, all very isolated and unique, well, isolated and really picturesque everywhere you looked out of the windows was just sort of like postcard. Um, and then big hills around it with um, vines on them and the vines were on the neighbour's property. You couldn't see any houses really from the house, um, cherry trees all around it and lemon trees. Um, and... Then, so three big bedrooms, brand new carpet, uh, really nice, beautiful stainless, uh, stained glass surrounds around the big, beautiful front door, um, return veranda, bull-nosed zincaloom veranda, um, yeah, it was, it was, it's a villa, villa, uh, yeah, massive ceilings and really nice floorboards. So that done... So the story was that he'd bought it, they'd moved in, they gutted it, and spent basically two years renovating it. They'd finished it. Or they, the only thing that wasn't renovated was the two bathrooms. They sort of got to a point, I think, where they'd maybe run out of money. I think, not too sure. Um, it looked as though they'd sort of done everything. They hadn't really touched outside, but um, his partner was um, an avid gardener, sort of like propagating plants gardener. So there were pots and plants everywhere outside they looked really good and the outside they'd set up a beautiful sort of chimney sort of uh, outdoor fire um, lounges big massive table for you to sit at with lots of big comfy armchairs around it overlooking this valley out beyond the back of the property uh, yeah just it was really, really nice. It was just a sort of place. And it was a really nice day when we were there. You just automatically felt like sitting down and having a glass of wine, white wine, and just sitting around and talking with friends. It was. It, was, it just felt really, really nice. Well, anyway, we. so I asked him if I could take some photos. So I photographed it inside now, which was really good because when we ended up buying it, Sophie ended up going to all of the shops and just showing the photos of his furniture, and we got um, exactly the same furniture. Uh so we walked around the perimeter of the property, which was really good. So it was 
pretty steep hills either side, walked up both the hills and had a look back down. Um, he told us the history of the neighbours and who they were. And, um, and then it sort of became apparent that there were a couple of issues that he wasn't really able to resolve with the property. And one was that they'd massively overcapitalised with the renovation and he sort of said that he knew he was never going to get his money back with that. So that was sort of good for us. We, we knew that we'd be able to get it um, a good a good value. Like we we get it cheaper than if we bought it and did what he did. You know, there was a bit of a discount there. Um, but the the major issue was that there were two other houses on this one point four kilometre road, and it was a shared driveway right of way. And because it was quite a steep driveway, every winter the driveway would sort of wash out. And he'd spent quite a bit of money on engineers' plans in how to put new culverts under the road and um, fix up the driveway so that it was actually really good and would weather a storm and wouldn't wash out as soon as there was rain. But he'd clocked up, I think, about $10,000 just on engineering plans. Now, a driveway, in my opinion, doesn't need engineering. You could spend $10,000 and fix it. But I didn't really understand. The neighbours were a little bit, um, the relationships were a little bit fractured. So this road had created a bit of a rift between them all. Um, And there was one particular neighbour who owned the road and the most amount of land in the valley. And he had a beautiful stone home as well, which was situated up up the creek from the one that we were looking at. Um, So really... Oh, and the other thing was it didn't have a bore, um, but it had this unique sort of water aquifer in the creek that sort of bubbled away and water ran into their tank and the water was amazing. Uh, so the water basically was drinkable um, straight out of the ground and it, it, um, it bubbled out of, a, out of the creek into a downpipe which gravity fed down the creek into three massive rainwater tanks, which had a pump on them and pumped the water up to the house, which was situated up the hill a bit. So, um, but it was a bit unusual because this water supply sort of came from a pipe in the side of a hill, which looked like it was near the neighbor's property, but it didn't have a bore of its own. So it Sort of, there were two issues when I walked away from that inspection. Like, love the house, just you couldn't help but fall in love with it. The setting, the style, the um, the surroundings. It just, it, it felt like you're in Italy. It was just absolutely gorgeous you're in the Adelaide Hills and very close to the city, um, yet a million miles away from it. And and, and just the the serenity, the purity of the air. Um, but. There were two sort of issues that I saw with this. It was three from his point of view. He'd spent the money on the renovation. But then we had the road and the um, the issue with the water. So the first thing I did was, oh no, so we, 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 we looked through it and I we were sort of leaving and I was really, I really, really liked this place. And I said, look, we'll, we'll go and we'll have a talk about it and then we can maybe talk about price. And I sort of was kicking myself afterwards because... If you talk about price, it means you want to buy it. So my heart was really in it. When, and when I went away, I sort of cooled off a bit when I got home. But 
um, at, the, at the time, I just remember getting in the car thinking, why did I say that? You know, I, th- I, I just felt like I was a bit, bit more in control. But anyway, I did really like this place, and so did Sophie. So we went home and we talked about it, and uh, we both agreed that, yes, we did like the place, but we needed to do some research. Um, so I think I touched base with him. I said, look, where... No, I think I, I think I then went back to him and I said, look, I think it's worth X. Because he wouldn't come up with a price. He said, what do you what, what do you want to pay for it? I said, X, which which I said to Sophie, look, he's probably going to want a lot more, but let's just go in at that price. See how we go. So I'd said that to him. And he said, oh, that's a bit low. Um... And he said, I'm happy to accept that price. I thought, ooh, if I can take out my air conditioner, my pumps, my stove and my pot belly. And I'm thinking, you can't do that because all those features are part of the house. I'm going to have to replace them because you need them. I said, what, are you, what did they all cost you? And he said, oh, about 50000 I said, oh, I'll tell you what, they'd be written down after two years to pretty well nothing. So why don't I give you half of that? So I increased my offer by twenty five grand. He said, yeah, I'll, okay, I'll leave them. And then I actually did some research just to double check that I wasn't getting ripped off with all that stuff. Um, and I, it, they all were quite expensive. Um, I think the air conditioner was 26000 or something, which was quite expensive. But it was, re- it was a really good one. He, he said, it was amazing. You just run it for 10 minutes in the house, no matter how cold it was, um, would warm up. So, um, we more or less agreed to that price. And, so, and we were sort of sort of quietly confident. But then there's still these other two issues that we had to resolve. So, I rang the Department of Mines and they said, well, uh, it looks like there's a really old spring registered effectively as a bore on the property. And they said, we've never seen this before, so we need to sort of speak to our managers and get, well, they needed to speak to his manager and get a bit more information on what this actually meant. And he came back to me and he said, look, what you could actually do is because it's registered on there and there's a moratorium on putting down any bores in this Adelaide Hills area, um, and we've got this really good spring water here, he said, you could buy a license from the neighbor. So I rang the neighbor and asked him, and he said, yeah, that's fine. Um, he had a massive license allocation, so it really reminds me, I've got to follow that up. Um, but they said at the Department of Mines that I could get an excavator in, dig into the creek, put some rocks in it, drop a bore in, because the water wasn't very far down, bore, drop a bore casing in and a bore, and then push the dirt back in and put some reeds in there and pump out of this hole in the creek and I'd have as much water as I needed and I'd get a license off the neighbour and I wouldn't be breaking into the rules because I'd be basically turning this spring into sort of like a boorish spring. So I couldn't believe how well that went because usually speaking to the Department of Mines is really, really funny and they're really finicky about water and not depleting that resource. And But he, the guy that I got was really good. I said it wasn't a problem. So I thought, tick. Then I rang up the owner and I said, look, I'm worried about this driveway. He said, okay. I said, I need to go and sit down with the farmer who owns the whole rest of the valley. Remember, there's two places on this on this property, but the, the second place is situated on the road, but it doesn't own as much land. 
and isn't sort of running a farming enterprise in the valley. So the farmer sort of controls, he, he actually owns the land on which the, the right-of-way or the driveway is situated. So um, the owner said, well, I didn't actually want to let the neighbour know that I was selling. And he always thought that I was going to buy him out. So um, I don't know whether I'm comfortable with that. And he said, leave it with me. Anyway, ring me back in half an hour. He said, yeah, I rang the neighbour. You can ring him. He's expecting your call. So I thought, okay, good. Because I wanted to resolve that because this road was like, I think it was 10000 in engineering and then I think they were budgeting for like a hundred grand to upgrade it to bitumen. I'm thinking, oh, I could see why he wants to go. Or maybe it was even more. Maybe it was 150. Um, because with all proper piping in and then bitumizing and base and all of that, and quite steep, um, maybe they were wanting to put concrete edging in and it could all just spiral out of control. So I think that that was another, well, one of the major issues he wanted to get out because he was, wasn't, he didn't have them, after he'd blown out all the money on that renovation, he didn't want to blow it out again on building a road. So, um, I went and sat down with a neighbour and he said, oh, yeah, this is what we want to do. This is the road. We're not talking to the other neighbour. We're at war. Um, I know that your guy wants to sell. Um, we've had quotes on the road for like 180000 and we'll just split it three ways. I was like, oh, gee, I wasn't budgeting on that. But he said, look, it's not really an issue. We sort of drive up and down. My daughter's got a two-wheel drive car. It's a bit washed out, but she knows exactly how to get up and down and you sort of just all get used to it after a while. So I thought, well, he's pretty relaxed about it. And he also sort of gave me a copy of the right away. And there was really no obligation in there for anyone to have to do anything. So you could just all let the road deteriorate. But I thought, well, if I just come in and upgrade it with a bit of gravel in the back of my trailer every now and then, I'm pretty sure that I'd be able to improve it by 30%. And I wouldn't be spending thousands. And I wouldn't be expecting money off neighbours. And, and I said to that guy, I said, look, I said to the farmer, I said, well, why don't you and I just fix it up and not worry about him? Because I think they were communicating via lawyers or something. Oh, that's right. The Not the farmer, but the other guy's shed encroached on the right-of-way and the farmer wanted to sue that guy and get him to pull his shed down and move it back away from the road so that everyone had more room on the right-of-way. Now, I think that was a little bit over the top, but... Anyway, they were it that, that had destroyed their relationship, and no one was really getting anywhere with the road. Um, so I said, and then, and then I just also wanted to ask him what he was spraying his cherries with and what poisons he was using and all that. So, um, and it was it was an organic farm, and the stuff that he was using was pretty was just like copper or something. So it didn't sound too toxic, and it didn't sound like anyone was going to get damaged by the sprays being used in the valley. For the cherries, so um, basically, I walked away from that thinking, well, the road's not really an issue. Everyone's been turning it into an issue, but I think I've got an idea in the back of my head on how to fix it really economically. Uh, anyway, that night he sent me an email saying, "Do you want to buy my farm? It's two hundred acres, um, and I'll sell it for, I think it was seven seven hundred thousand dollars more than what we're going to pay for this other place which was only 20 acres um and i so i i was sort of excited when i got that email because i was thinking okay well that's a whole new change but the house that he lived in was not renovated anywhere near like this other one that we're looking at but had heaps more land effectively we were buying for the house not the land because i wasn't going to do anything with the land i just wanted it because it'd be nice to run some sheep or some cows 
I didn't really want to take on a farm. He said he was making $60,000 out of the farm. Um, so I went back to the guy that I was speaking to and I said, look, you're not going to believe this, but this is what your neighbour said. Um, and I spoke to Sophie and I said, we both agreed that we didn't want the farm. But it was nice of him. He was very helpful and he actually said in that email that he was happy to sell me some of his water, water, his water licence, I think. I think the other thing about his farm was I, when I looked at it, there were two lot numbers on it and I thought maybe you could subdivide some of that, thinking that might actually help um, subsidise my purchase price if I sold off the back block to a neighbour or just to the market at large. Um, anyway... So both of my reservations were more or less solved at that point. So I was ready to go. So I said, I went back to the owner and I said, look, okay, I'm ready. I've solved all these issues that I had. I'm ready to draft up a contract. So he said, okay, I'll get my lawyer to draft it up. I thought, okay, good. I don't have to pay for it. Um, he was very close to his lawyer at that point because he'd been in pubs and but they'd been working on this road issue together. So he was one of his lawyer's biggest clients, I think. So um, they did the contract. And then it was time for us to go to Noosa around the time that the Form 1s were being prepared. And we still had the chance to pull out, but we were going up there and I just wanted five days off. And he sort of must have forgotten that I was going up there. And he was trying to ring me flat out while I was up there. And I didn't really want to take the calls. And I was still umming and ahhing whether I was going to do it or whether I wasn't. And, and you know, lots of walks along the beach and, looking out to the ocean and just ocean and just staring and thinking and do I want to set myself up for another massive project with lots and lots of work and lots of after hours and you know building sheds and renovating bathrooms and putting in new gardens and fixing roads and all of the stuff that comes with owning a farm anyway um, we more or less agreed that we did want to do it but um, we, I didn't want to rush back to him. And I sort of, I was sort of comfortable with the price, but I wanted to just test it a little bit more. So he was ringing my phone flat out. And when I got back, I hadn't answered his calls for like three days because I just, when you're on holidays, you don't want to be talking to your clients. And I mean, I did that anyway, but that was enough. I didn't want to spend hours on there. and I couldn't sign the document anyway because I didn't have access to any internet, or well, I did have access to internet, but I didn't have a printer, and I didn't know how I could print it out and sign it, so I thought, I just cannot wait till I get back, anyway, we got back, and he was like, all right, I rang him, and I said, he said, oh, we'd organised all of our, we'd reshuffled all of our plans, this was over Easter, I said, really, he goes, yeah, I've been a bit bit upset with you, I thought, that's unusual, and he said, I'm still, I'm not sure if I want to go through with this now, and not really happy with the price. I think I could get some more. And I said, well, look, I'm sorry that I didn't take your calls. I'm st- we're still really keen. Let's meet up and I'm happy to sign the contract and you can serve the form ones on me. So we did. And um, he, he uh, got, you know, we got back to where we were as good friends again after that. But it was just that point of pushing me back a bit and just seeing what, I could sort of squeeze out of the deal. I, I realised I couldn't squeeze any more out. It's good. My old boss used to say, you know, push someone to the point where they're going to snap and then come back a bit. So I like doing that just to know that it's I've, I've pushed the deal to the limit and I'm getting maximum bang for my buck. 
Um, so anyway, we signed it all up and we settled and got the house and I bought all his furniture. Well, no, I didn't buy his furniture. I bought I bought all that stuff that I talked about. But in addition, I took his fridge, his freezer, his washing machine and dryer. And oh, wow, that was that made the move so much easier because all we really needed to move in was our furniture, our TVs, our clothes. Um, yeah, it was just the easiest move we've ever had. I'd recommend it to anyone. Um, and it was all good to go. The hardest things are the fridges and washing machines and dryers. I guess the beds were hard, but we really only had to move the beds and our furniture. And there wasn't a lot of furniture. It was a smaller house than our other place at Ashton. Anyway, um, we're, we're in now. We love it. But I just think it's a really interesting story. Um, he, After we'd settled, he told me that they'd spent $300,000 on the renovations. Um, and... I think we paid a hundred thousand more than what he'd paid for it, so he'd lost two hundred thousand dollars in the course of doing his renovations on the place. Um, but we 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 didn't get a building inspection, but we did get my friend who's a builder to come and have a look, and he said, "Oh, this is this is awesome. You know, everything that they've done with this place is first class quality." And they were humming and ahhing over who the build, you know, who the um, cabinet maker was who did the doors and the windows it was all custom made and double glazed and triple insulated um but we got the house so it was a really good news story I, I think that we got a really good deal we didn't go through agents we took the road less traveled and for that i'm forever grateful but would i do it again yes and we've been living here now for seven months um we've put built-in robes in, we've put more doors in, well, the house was all open, we've put doors in, all the old doorways, um, we're about to embark on the bathroom renovation, uh, we'll put a carport down the side of the place, with the soil that we pull out for the carport, we'll build a base for a big shed down the bottom, made out of stone and tin, um, yeah, it'll come up really nice, and then we'll put a garden in, so it's sort of a five-year plan, but um, it's worked out really well, I'm really happy with the way that we did it. I'm just convinced that buying privately is the way to go. Um, we would have never got anywhere near the quality of house for the price that we got if we would have gone through an agent. Um, I think we got a good deal, but we've actually made a friend out of the previous owner, which is also a big, big plus. It's always high priority. I don't want to feel like I'm ripping anyone off. I just like dealing direct and not using agents. And uh, I don't want anyone to feel as though that they've been... Um, they've, you know, I think that they were happy with the price. We were happy with the price. I think um, when we go to sell it, we'll at least get our money back. Hopefully, we'll make some money with all the upgrades that we do, but we're going to enjoy ourselves living here. Um, I mean, obviously, we want to make money on the place, but um, I think that we can bring a skill set to the to the property that the previous owners didn't have. I don't think they really spent much time out at all, outside at all. And these lifestyle properties are all about outside. You really don't want to spend much time inside as well. You don't want to have it nice. But really, um, you know, young families with horses and young kids, they want to, when there's a nice day, they want to be outside enjoying their beautiful garden and enjoying their horse and stable yards and all of that sort of stuff. So we can we can add all that in and, and get the water stuff happen, you know, the water and the water, proper water license and bores and get the driveway. Oh, that's right. So the story with the driveway is, yeah, I, I went out and I bought probably at this stage maybe 10 loads of 500 
kilograms of rubble and I've put that on the road and it's just so much better. Um, I haven't solved that problem yet because with, I don't know, maybe six cars up and down every day, they do tend to push the gravel out. Um, so if I fill up a hole, um, holes aren't so bad, but it's mainly um, sways in the road to divert the water. Um, if you fill them up with gravel after a period of time, the cars throw all the gravel out of the sway. So it requires constant maintenance, but I don't mind doing that. And sometimes I've just been walking up the driveway or drive, riding up on my motorbike with a shovel over my, on my, oh, you know, across my legs over the petrol tank and just pulling up every now and then where it needs some dirt. And I'll just dig some dirt off the side of the road and with a long handle shovel and throw it into the holes. And it's amazing what you can do. Um, so I'm confident that the issues that the property have have now been pretty much resolved. Um, it didn't really cost that much. I think that they're going to be massive value adds when we go to sell the place. Um, so, yeah, we'll stay here for five years. We'll make some money. Um, we've put the old place on Airbnb. That's booked out constantly. Well, um, We've just come through the summer holidays. We've booked out pretty well every night. Um, and now back at school, it's booked out most weekends. So that's going really well. And we're getting good price. And, um, yeah, we're happy with that, where, where that's at. Um, and this place is really good. And I think that we've done really well. So that's the story about my new home. Thanks for listening.